0: Let's begin with a word of prayer. God in heaven, who is far above our thought and our understanding, yet you are knowable and you've made yourself known to us through your word, we just pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word, that all words that are not yours and all thoughts that are not yours would leave our mind, even as we meditate upon this word this morning, we want to honor you with our time as we listen in worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three types of people I want you to think about for a moment. Uh, the first is a know-it-all, someone who cannot be corrected, who already knows everything there is to know before you say it. Uh, the second person is a person who does everything they do, and they may um, strive They do it without the heart. Uh, There is no passion in what they do. And a third person is a person who just does not look where they are going. The common thread in all of these people is there are going to be many difficult days for them because of their own insufficiencies, because of their own failures. The person who is unwilling to to admit that they don't know things is not going to learn. The person who is without passion is going to not have joy and therefore is not going to last long in certain tasks and a person who has their eyes somewhere else is going to trip up and fall and these three people can also be true of us in our spiritual life in the in the in the ways that we go about our our walk with God and go about our day-to-day living we don't want to be any of these three people when it comes to our spiritual life. And so I invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. I want to see here uh, a prayer of David, an ask of David of, when he's asking God uh, for multiple things so that he himself would not... Um, live this life of of vanity or live this life uh, away from God or walking in the wrong sort of way, but a way that is true and good. And so Psalm 119, I want to read for you God's word, verses 33 through 40. This is God's word. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. me life. Life. Life worth living. He repeats that phrase twice in this uh, section of Psalm 119. Give me life. Give me life. There we find it in verse 40 and we find it in verse 37 as well. But you'll see here he is asking God for a number of things. And the first relates to his mind. But he, unlike a person who thinks they know everything, David admits, even in verse 33, as you and I should admit, I don't know everything. So God, teach me. Teach me. Make, make me teachable. Make me uh, able to hear uh, if someone who may be younger than me or maybe less experienced than me, if they have something to teach me, teach me through them. Teach me through circumstance. Teach me through your word. Teach me by your spirit. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Teach me the way in which you work, the way in which you have worked, the way in which you desire to work in me. Teach me the way of your statutes. Teach me what is right and what is wrong way. Because I want to keep your statutes to the end. When I have been taught them, When I have been well-trained, that's just how I'm going to do the job. And so teach me so that I might keep it to the end. Because if I don't know it, I'm not going to keep it. If I didn't know that was a, a, a rule or a way in which I was supposed to do things, I would be guilty of not keeping God's statutes. And I don't want to do that. And so David prays, as you and I should pray, teach me, O Lord. The way of your statutes. Because if I'm just to come and I'm trying to learn all that I, I can in my own human ability from the Bible, um, from Bible studies, from prayer, from as many videos or podcasts as you watch, if you try to just learn in your own intellect without the help, the divine, supernatural help of God, you'll be missing something. So David asked God, God, you're the perfect teacher. You have perfect wisdom. You know all things, so teach me. And I want to know not just what someone else has said about you. I want to know you. I don't want to know what other people have concluded from the Bible reading time. I don't want to know other people's devotional thoughts only. I need to be taught by you, God. I want to know the way of your statutes. I want to be able to discern that in my own life and in my own mind. My mind lacks things, God, and, and I'm supposed to love you with all of my mind. Well, I need you to teach me. It's simple. What we learn from David here, you and I are to ask God for his help, that he might teach us. Secondly, in verse 34, same thing. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Verse 1, he says, teach me the way of your statutes and I'll keep it. Well, I'm only going to keep it, he says in verse 34, if I have understanding. Give me understanding. Not just head knowledge, not just all the facts, but I must understand the facts. Oftentimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, you, you might memorize a scripture passage and it might sound all nice and it might look good on a coffee cup, but do you understand it? And do you understand its implications for your life as you read the Bible? Um, This is a hard one. Do you understand how that applies to you? Do you understand how it doesn't apply to you? Do you understand what it meant for the original writer here for David? Do you understand what it means for Paul when he says something? God can give us that understanding, gives us the ability to be able to order our thoughts and and read the text and, and have it Um, take root in our lives so that we can understand it with the goal, David asks in 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. I don't want to be a person who is just um, observing out of a, a, a duty without any sort of understanding. I don't want to be just a robot following what I'm supposed to do without having any understanding, but just doing it. No, I want to observe with my whole heart because I've understood, because I know your statutes, because I know your law. He asks for the mind because the greatest commandment is Jesus summarizes all the commands. He says the greatest is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your mind, your soul and your strength. And so your mind, your intellect, your ability to understand things. We want to love God with that. But the way we're going to do it is by God helping us, not by you taking courses or or doing more word studies. God is the one who gives and grants understanding uh, of mind and understanding so that it might transpose into our life. We don't want to be those people who approach a Bible reading or who approach a sermon or who approach uh, someone's spiritual conversation with us as the know-it-all. We don't want to be the person who says, yes, I've heard that before. And how many times have I been guilty, and I don't know about you, where we hear the gospel presented, right? And we hear someone telling of the good news of Jesus Christ and why he died on the cross for our sins and and why I need to to repent of my sin and why I need to trust in Jesus so that I might be forgiven, I might have life. How many times, if you're a believer, have you heard that message and you approach it and you say, I know it, I know it. And so we shut down and we, we never take time to think that we can learn from it. Reality is, you and me as Christians, uh, the gospel is supposed to um, be understood by us deeper and deeper on a daily basis. We need the gospel. You need to wake up tomorrow morning and preach the gospel to yourself that you need this mercy today. You need grace because without it, you are doomed. We need that understanding because there's going to be times throughout the day where you beat yourself up where you condemn yourself, where you feel the weight of guilt and you think that God can never forgive you. You need the gospel tomorrow. So, so don't be that person who is a know-it-all when, when, when you understand or think you understand the gospel and its implications. It's going to be uh, changing the way you live tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And so have you taken time to Ask God, give me understanding of how this applies to my season of life. I'm really having a hard time with this or that thing. And so I need God to teach me. I need God to give me understanding so that I can keep his law, so I can love him, so I can understand him, so that as I realize how God is changing me and I'm understanding that, it transforms me and I might be able to teach others. That's to love God with all of our mind. And secondly, We see that the heart's involved in this passage too. David is asking for the heart. He says, uh, verse 34, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. 36. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. There in 34, 35, 36, we see the heart. Specifically the word heart in 34 and 36 and in the middle of those two, delight. And we know that delight comes from the heart, the heart of the affection. What do you love? What, what is your passion? Where does that come from? Well, here's the reality. You can do all you can do for God and you can do your devotion time and you can do your Bible reading and you can say a prayer and you can go to church and you can do all this Christian service with no delight and something's wrong. I'm guilty of this quite often. there would be many days where I get through and I'm like, man, I I don't know why I don't delight in this, but I I need to ask God. I need to ask God. 36 especially has been a prayer of mine repeatedly, incline my heart. Incline my heart to your testimonies because... My heart, my affections, my delights are not naturally inclined towards God's word or inclined towards God and obedience to him. My heart and my passions and my desires are inclined towards me. They're selfish. And they are uh, earthly minded. That's why 36, I love it, and, and maybe you should try to memorize it as well, is incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Not to selfish gain. Am I not doing what I'm doing for myself? Oftentimes, even people will serve on a missions trip or give financially to missions, out of a selfish gain. They want to feel good about it or they want to look good to others or they want that great tax receipt or whatever it may be, there is a selfish gain behind it. And that's why um, Scripture tells us oftentimes even our own deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. Sometimes there's just this motive that's wrong or the intention is wrong or the, the, the playing out of what we're doing for God is just tainted with some sort of sin and it's most often most often selfishness. It's a concern for me. What does this do for me? Even I think about that when, when you think about how you engage with your church, how you engage with other believers. Are you doing it to just get something? Are you saying, well, well what does this benefit me? What am I going to get out of it? What am, what am I going to um, walk away with? How am I going to be encouraged? How am I going to feel better? That's often how we approach times with other believers rather than thinking the opposite, is thinking, well, what can I contribute? Uh, we live in an era where we are just consumers. And so uh, that is a problem because then it turns our hearts to delight further in ourselves and the things of this life and this world. But the reality is when God begins to change us, he leads us in the path of his commandments, 35, for we delight in it. He think, well, Maybe, maybe that's not true of me. So that's why you, you ask God. You, you beg God. Incline my heart. Only you can do this because naturally if I'm to let my heart free, it will not be towards knowing him. It won't be towards serving him, serving others. <coughs> so we must ask God If we're to be those who are passionate about what we do for God rather than someone who is just going through the motions without any delight, without any desire for God, we need to ask God to change that in us. Here's the thing. You will go through seasons where that is true of you. But there's there's help for that. There is these passages. There is God's divine help. There are other believers where you say, hey, listen, my heart is not inclined to delight in God right now. Pray for me. Pray for me. I I do not have delight in my relationship with Jesus right now. It's something we are to admit uh, so that we might gain the prayer of brothers and sisters in Christ. So that they may point us again to the gospel that that we know and understand and and hear it again. And it stirs up in us a joy. That as God leads us in the path of his commandments, as he shows us uh, the right way in which to go, the path of obedience... That we would gain delight. That it would be something that just begins to well up in us the more we realize how great God is and how grotesque we are. But yet, he loves us anyways. He, He would die for me anyways. Why me? When there are so many other great people in the world, why me? There's nothing good in me, nothing I can bring to God, nothing I can contribute to his team. Why me? And the more you realize that gospel truth in your life of grace, that it was nothing about you, then the more you begin to delight in that relationship with God. And the more you begin to see how God uses people in your life, you want to be used by God in the path of His commandments, in obedience to go into others' life, to help the poor and the widow and the orphan, to to go into all the world, to the tribes and and nations who've not yet learned Christ, to to your neighbors who've never heard uh, the gospel story. The more you walk in those paths of righteousness as God leads you in the path of His commandments... You begin to have a greater delight and partake in that delight of God at work in the world. But it doesn't happen on our own. And we can't manufacture it. So we must pray for it. God, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to myself and not to selfish gain. I want to have my mind loving God. I want to have my heart loving God. And, and he says in 37, I want my eyes fixed. On God. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. And give me life. In your ways. There are so many things that you can even in this moment think about. That your eyes are fixed upon that are worthless. Just worthless. Whether that's things that we uh, begin to worry about. Whether that's things that we desire in this world. Whether it's things that we just um, get glued to whatever it may be in your life that might be worthless, you must be able to evaluate that. And the way we do is by being in the word of God. It shows us what to treasure. It shows us what to value, to value God and his glory above all things. And so when we we're thinking about what our eyes are fixed on, what we're looking at in life, what we're focused on, we can ask the question like, is this thing and my obsession with it or my investment in it, is that bringing more glory to God or less? Am I adoring God more? Am I pointing more people to God and His glory and His fame because I'm fixed on this thing, or is it detracting from God? Is it taking away from His fame and His adoration? If it takes away from God's glory, it is worthless. It's worthless. If it takes away from us uh, thinking about and treasuring God, then it is. Worthless. But here's the thing. God has given us so many good gifts that we make them worthless because of our obsession and our idolatry of them. That we lift them up to an inappropriate place. We'd be over consumed with them. But they don't have to be that way. God has given us so many wonderful blessings here in this life. So many that they can all be used for the glory of God, whether you eat or whether you drink. Do it all for the glory of God. Like everything from food to your children, to your money, to the creation, all of it is supposed to be consumed for the glory of God. It's supposed to be used and stewarded. It's supposed to uh, be in our lives in a way that transforms our heart to glorify God and point others to that as well. And, And so if it's not, then we can say, Is this thing worthless? Do I cut it out? Well, well, no. We just say, turn my eyes from looking at it if it is worthless to me or transform how it looks to me. Transform how I'm looking at it even. Turn my eyes from uh, fixating on something and making it worthless if that's the case. If it's a good thing that you've made, maybe a worthless thing because of the value you've placed on it, just ask God. Transform my eyes. Turn my eyes from making that thing worthless And turn my eyes and my gaze on that thing so that I might see how it can glorify you instead. How how I can enjoy it appropriately in a way that worships you. In a way that brings you uh, the value and the treasure that you deserve. Because it's only then that when we value the right things. And when we hold on to the things of worth that is eternal things. That is the souls of men and women. That is your soul. That is your kids' soul. Your grandkids. Your neighbors'. When you value their souls, when you fix your eyes on their souls and you focus on them, that's when you have life. Life. Give me life in your ways. Well, what is life but eternal life? The life we now have, we live by faith in the Son of God. Galatians chapter uh, 2 says, we have life in His ways. And that is life that is true life that is valuable life that has meaning we're not those who are trying to walk one way and have our eyes turned elsewhere and we are tripping up over worthless things let us be people with our minds engaged with our hearts delighting in and our eyes fixed on the things that count that is the things that god teaches us but again Just just like with our heart and just like with our mind, we cannot manufacture this. We cannot um, try our hardest to stare at our Bible longer and and begin to value that more. Only God can turn our eyes. Only God can give us eyes to see and and hearts to believe. Because here's the thing. There were many who stood before the Christ on the cross and saw him with their eyes. And it wasn't the sight of Jesus that would transform people. It wasn't that they could see the nails and know that it was real. It wasn't that they saw him uh, breathe his last. It wasn't that they even saw a resurrected Jesus that made them believe. No, it was God turning their eyes. God opening their eyes. God giving them ears to hear and eyes to believe and see. We must have God do this. If God is to do that in us originally... Like, we were blind and now we see the truth. If that's true of you, if you're a believer. In the same way as we carry on in our life, we need God to be the one working uh, behind our eyes and turning them to, to what value, what is valuable above all things. Life in His ways. And we know that life is found in Christ. Man, the life we live when we try To live it on our own, apart from Jesus, is a life that is so fixated on ourself, on selfish gain. Well, the the reason oftentimes people just serve in religion is because it's selfish. Uh, They want to feel good. They want to avoid torture. They want to avoid punishment. And so they're going to do the good things because that makes them look good. It makes them feel good. And they think it's going to deliver them from, from eternal fire and hell. But it's all Selfish. It's all self-motivated, but a person who finally says, because God has given them eyes to see, like I have not valued God like I have. I have sinned against God. I have spit in his face. I have defamed his name. And that is my sin against him. All of the things that I have done, all of the things that make me feel guilt and shame, all of them have diminished the vision of God that I'm supposed to have. And I have not glorified him in my life. That person who has that sort of transformation of heart is a person who looks to Jesus finally with eyes to see and say, I can't can't do this on my own anymore. I come to the cross humbled. One who is able to say, teach me, Lord. Give me understanding. Lead me. Uh, Incline my heart. Turn my eyes. Like asking God, I'm so dependent on you from day one. I need you. I need you. Every hour. That's the person who comes to faith and repentance in Jesus. Who says, I can't trust my own ways. I can't trust my own righteousness. That's selfish. I, I must just come to Christ and I must admit that I have been selfish. And that I have looked out for myself above any other thing. So we come to Christ. And we ask him to just transform our lives. To forgive our sins. And we believe in faith. We believe in faith. We trust we place our lives upon him. And, and there we have a confidence that he said, if, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. He will. He has died for sinners, for you and for me. The question is, do we believe that? Have we really embraced that? Do we really um, throw ourselves upon the cross so often we get distracted by worthless things. we get um, dispassionate because we are going on too long, or we try serving in our own uh, for our own self, and therefore we just get tired of it. it doesn 't reward us like we think it should, and so maybe you stop serving, maybe you stop um, giving, maybe you stop showing up or reading your Bible because it 's not giving you the tingly feelings you want well the the challenge for us is like let us not. Desire all these things about God and our godliness for selfish gain. But let us be transformed by God to walk in a way to, to observe with our whole heart his law so that we would have delight and real life. He says in verse 40, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. In the way that you determine best, in your perfect judgment, in your perfect way, in your perfect example, in your perfect transformation, in your perfect power, give me life. I wonder when's the last time you asked God to breathe new life into you. Just to give you life, to give you a breath of fresh air, to give you eyes that are treasuring the proper things, to give you a heart that is passionate for Him, to give you an understanding where you don't understand. Have you begged God for these things lately? Because these are the ways in which we're supposed to love Him. That's the greatest commandment for you and for me is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. We're to love Him in this way. Because he is so lovely. And the only way we discover it is in his word. When we see that God is a God who does teach. God is a God who is infinite in knowledge and wisdom. And he gives us understanding. God is a God to be delighted in. God is worthy of our gaze. God is a giver of all life. So you and me, where do we stand When's the last time that you've asked God to really transform the way that you are interacting with the Word of God? Because remember, each of these verses is David's interaction with the Word of God. It's him begging and pleading God, like, apply this thing to my life. Transform my life through this, this very Word. I don't know about how dry your Bible reading is, but mine is sometimes. And it's because I've lost this. And I haven't asked God this. So my challenge for you this week, and and even my own heart, is just, just to pray these words honestly, what David has asked of God here. And specifically, verse 36. Incline my heart, because your heart today wants to lie to you. Your heart today wants to deceive you. Your heart today wants to discourage you. But God can transform that heart. And God can incline that heart to his testimonies, to his truth, to his way of life for us, and blessing for us, and joy for us. Jesus has done so much for our joy, and so that it may be full when we know him, when we understand how he's in our life and transforming us. But we know it through his word, and so I'm just... For myself, I'm hoping and I'm begging and I'm, I'm praying that God will do this for me. You know, there are days where you're just trying to get through the day. But I don't want to be that person. I want to be the, the one who's not thinking I know it all. I don't want to be the one who is dispassionate and just um, doing everything that I'm doing in my Christian walk without a passion. I don't want to be the one who is not even looking where I say I'm going. I want to be one who's transformed by God. And so I'm going to ask him these things for myself this week. And I pray that you would too. And as you do, that you would begin to see God transform the way the word comes alive to you. The way the word gives you life. Let me pray for us. God, we are thankful that your word is living and active. That this word which you have spoken to us. Your word is so good. It's so sufficient. So we just pray that you would transform us. That you would transform our minds. Give us understanding as we read. Even if it's just one concept. Even if it's one thing that we're to take away and understand it. And how it uh, is supposed to transform the way we think, the way we act. We pray that you would give us understanding. Because we want to keep your law. We want to observe it. But we want to do it not just with robotic hearts. We want to do it with delight. We want to have our hearts inclined towards your words. And not towards ourselves. So we're asking that you would do that. That you would transform our hearts even in this moment. That you would help us to treasure the things that you treasure. Rather than looking at worthless things. God help us to get through this week so that we may have life, not just one day when we're longing for that eternal life with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but now that we would have life and have it abundantly because we know you and because we've interacted with you in your word and you've spoken to us and you've transformed us. So God, would you please do this for us because we want to glorify you with our, our minds, with our hearts, with our eyes, and with our whole selves because you deserve it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.